Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I was thinking about yesterday as you're outside in in 80 degree weather, and, and you can't help but when the weather begins to do what it's doing right now, that your thoughts automatically, with spring break on the horizon, you begin to think about vacation, and you begin to think about what is coming this summer, right? You can't help it. Vacations are right around the corner. And one reason that we love vacation, one reason that we, we look forward to vacation is because there's just a few days that you just get to check out, that you just get to sort of turn everything off, that you just get to rest. Maybe we would use the word that we get to experience peace for five days, for seven days, whatever it may be that your vacation time looks like. But I got some bad news. Um, You know, all vacations end the same. Every one of them end the same. No matter how good the three days, the five days, the seven days, no matter how good it was, It's gonna come to an end and you're gonna step back into reality of everything that you checked out from, right? So whatever headache you left behind, the headache is awaiting you when you return. Unless you're like me and we have like half a dozen kids, then all the headaches just go with you. (laughs) I'm just kidding, I love my kids. They're what makes our vacation our vacation, I guess. That's what they tell us. But the truth is, is the reason we love vacation is because we all long for the same thing. We all long for that peace. You go home today and tonight and tomorrow morning, turn the news on. You're gonna see people in the news broadcasts that are, are searching for the very thing that we're searching for. They're searching for what we search for on vacation. They're searching for peace. They're, they're searching for just some sort of serenity. But the sad reality is, is when we see people in this world searching for that peace, what we find is that in most cases, according to our news, we realize that when people search for peace, they often find themselves in some sort of addiction. They often find themselves with some sort of anger outbreak. They often find themselves maybe incarcerated or in some cases, when we find that people are searching for peace, we hear of, of suicide or suicide attempts. And what we realize is that when we watch the news, when we walk into the world, we understand that we're all honestly a broken world, all searching for the same thing. Every person in this room, we're all searching for the same thing, but the heartbreaking part is so many people are trying to settle their own troubled hearts. And as they're trying to settle their own troubled hearts, what they discover is they find themselves honestly in more trouble. They find themselves making more trouble. But at the end of the day, 
The one thing that every person in this room that is breathing right now in this moment, we all have in common, is this longing for peace. And what you're gonna hear today is that when Jesus continues to talk to the disciples, you're gonna realize the peace that Jesus is going to extend, the the peace that Jesus is gonna offer to the disciples, he will say that is much different than what the world offers by the way of peace. And so if we were gonna define this word peace from a world's perspective or through the lenses of our vacation, I think we would all agree that if we were gonna define it that way, that it could be defined as peace is the, the absence of trouble or peace is the absence of trials. Maybe peace is the absence of difficult situations. But what you're gonna hear and what Jesus shares today and what you've probably experienced, what you've probably walked in is that definition of peace is honestly just a false definition. Because all the peace the world has to offer, all it temporarily does is cover up reality. It just covers up the circumstances. It covers up what maybe we're walking through right now. And so you may be wondering, well, my goodness, if if peace is not the absence of trial and trouble, then what in the world is peace? I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're just gonna share a few verses and And just like for the last month and a half, probably, this is Jesus' last conversation with the disciples, who we know by what the scripture has said, they are experiencing a troubled heart because of their Savior leaving. The one they've been following is talking about his death and is going back to the Father. But in John chapter 14, I want you to read with me verses 27 through 31. Jesus tells the disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard what I said to you. I go, to, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens so that when it happens, you may believe. Verse 30, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of this world is coming, Satan himself, and he has nothing in me. He has no hold on me. Verse 31, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Get up. And let's go from here. And so the very thing that we all long for, the very thing that we know the disciples are longing for is peace. And Jesus is telling them, I'm gonna give it to you. But what we recognize is the way that Jesus addresses this is we see that this this peace that Jesus is going to offer is something that he possesses. He says, I'm going to leave it and it's mine. I'm gonna leave with you what is mine. I'm gonna offer to you what I have obtained myself. So what Jesus is speaking of here, he's saying, I have peace, and this very peace I'm going to give you. And so this would pose the question in my mind, well, if Jesus has this peace, then how did Jesus obtain this peace? 
Now, here's the defining line. This is the, the, the thing that we have a hard time wrestling with when it comes to the Trinity, because when we know Jesus, the Son of God, we know that he was 100% man, and yet he was 100% God. And so while we know him as to be the Prince of Peace, we also know that in his flesh, as a human being, he would long for the same thing you and I long for, and that would be peace, because he's 100% Man, so the question is this, how did Jesus, the savior of the world, how did he obtain peace? How did he possess peace to the extent that he's saying, it's mine that I can leave with you? How can I leave with you what I have experienced? How can I leave with you what I know? And what we realize is that in verse 31, we see how this journey began. In verse 31, he tells the disciples, he said, let's get up and let's go from here. Let's get up and let's go from here. What you have to realize is this is when they were departing from the Last Supper. This is when they were departing from the last conversation that Jesus has with them. But what we have to understand, this is much bigger than a departure leaving a room. This is much bigger than a departure of this dismissing themselves from this conversation. This departure is actually Jesus taking his first step into obedience to what the Father's commanded him to do. So as he departs, do y'all hear that rain? <laughs> y'all were all wondering when I was gonna acknowledge that, right? <laughs> there goes a squirrel. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome to my world. Um, I stayed focused a lot longer than I really thought I would be able to, so praise God. Um, anyway, so when they departed from this upper room, it's much bigger than them just leaving this environment. This was actually Jesus stepping in to obedience to obtain the peace that he himself longed for. The same peace that you and I long for. And so when we hear this, what we're gonna realize is that Jesus is going to inform the disciples that this, this departure this step of obedience that I'm about to take is me simply reflecting the love that I have for my father. And he says that in verse 31. But so the world may know that I love the father, I do exactly as the father commands. So Jesus is saying, as I depart from here, as I take my first step of obedience, this is going to let you, all the disciples know, and all of the world know how much I love my father, because I'm going to step out in obedience. And this obedience is going to cost me everything. This obedience is going to cost me everything. But what Jesus tells the disciples that his stepping out in obedience is gonna show the world the love for the Father. Does this sound familiar to anything we've read thus far? If you remember last week, what did Jesus tell the disciples? If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Don't you love a true leader that is always gonna ask of his people what he's willing to do himself? And so Jesus is never gonna ask us as disciples to obey the commandments of God and him not do it. And so as we talked last week, remember, Jesus tells the disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. And what we talked about was them stepping out and following the commandments of God were not a way to earn God's love, 
but in an order for a way to, for them to reflect the love of God that they have. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. As I step out and I'm obedient to my father, the world is gonna know that I love him. And I'm not doing this to earn his love. I'm doing this because he loves me and I love him. This is the response in which I'm gonna move. And so we see that the, Jesus's desire was to live for his father. Jesus's desire was to follow his father's commandments to be a reflection of his love for the father. And he knew that him walking in the commandment that God had given him would please the father's heart. He knew that this would make his father happy. And so we have to ask the question, well, what was pleasing to the father? What would please God? Well, this is a verse that probably the large majority of us are very familiar with. You wanna hear what will please the Father's heart? You wanna hear what pleases God Almighty's heart? John chapter three, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Listen to what verse 17 says. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The only way that salvation is extended to you, the only way that salvation is extended to me is by Jesus Christ walking in what God had called him to do, and that is willingly sacrifice his life on behalf of you and me. It cost him everything. But he did it as a result of the love of his father and a love for you and I. And so you ask the question, well, how did Jesus find peace? How did Jesus find peace in this? What we learn by the example that Jesus gives us is that Jesus' journey to satisfy his father's heart is where he obtained peace. And following by the commandments of his father is the place he finds peace. The only place that Jesus, the son of God, found peace was being obedient to what the father had commanded him to do. And so what we see by the example and the testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is that true peace is only obtained in walking in obedience to the father. The only way that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, will find peace in this world is to abide and walk by the commandments that Jesus Christ has left for us. This is the only place we will find true peace. But I know like we always wrestle with, when we think about all that Jesus has commanded, when we think about all the teachings of Jesus, of what it looks like to walk in obedience to the commandment that he's left us, Sometimes we become overwhelmed because we know how difficult this is in our flesh. We know how difficult it is to hear the commandments from Jesus, but now as a follower of Christ, my love for him is a reflection of how I walk in that, and I know that this is gonna be hard because my flesh is weak. 
My flesh stumbles. My flesh a lot of times is troubled. But I don't want you to fear because Jesus has that covered too. Because remember what he shared last week with the disciples? If you love me, keep my commandments, but don't worry. God Almighty is gonna send another helper. The exact same as me, the Holy Spirit of God is going to live in you. The Holy Spirit of God is gonna continue to speak to you. The Holy Spirit of God living in you will guide you, will walk with you, will encourage you, will strengthen you. And when we rely on that other helper, the Holy Spirit of God living in us, we will realize that the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone is the only way that we can walk in commandment to what Jesus Christ has asked of us, is being fully dependent upon the leadership of the Holy Spirit living in us. But as we walk this way, the world notices. The world notices when we're submitted to the authority of the Holy Spirit living in us. But you know, we're a lot like the disciples. Because I think the one thing that we can all relate to here is when our hearts become troubled, when our hearts become unsettled, when we become worried, when we become overwhelmed with fear, how often do we turn to the world to find peace? Instead of leaning and turning toward the only one that can provide peace, the only one that can give us the peace that passes all understanding, when we fail to turn to him, how often do we turn to the world to find what only Jesus can give? I probably do it on a daily basis that when my heart's troubled, my flesh quickly resorts to looking at the things that are temporary to get a quick fix, to find some quick relief, to find a quick peace. But what we have to understand and what I want you to hear today is what Jesus is teaching the disciples is that the peace that this world offers is only circumstantial. The peace that this world offers will not last. All the peace of this world does is cover up one circumstance with another. Now, I do want you to understand that the world does offer peace. There are peaceful moments in this world. There are things that we can resort to that will provide peace. But what we have to hear is the teachings of Jesus saying, yes, the world does offer it, but what I'm gonna offer is totally different than what the world offers. Because the peace that the world offers is strictly circumstantial. I'm really gonna age myself here. Believe it or not, I used to play video games a little bit. Not a lot. But how many of you remember the Atari 2600? Wasn't life easy? It had one joystick and one button. This whole convoluted mess of buttons underneath, and I mean, it's just ridiculous. That's why I don't play them anymore. But I remember one specific game that was released in 1983 called Spy Hunter. Do y'all remember the game Spy Hunter? You were the little car, and you were maneuvering your way up this road. I mean, and it was just me, me, me. I mean, it was, yeah, it was really entertaining. 
But I remember what, what, what I had the option to do is oftentimes when, when things got complicated, when there was a lot of cars that were catching me, when a lot of things were behind me, I could push that one button and all of a sudden a smoke screen was cast out and it covered up everything that was behind me. It covered up everything that was troubling me. And for just a brief moment, I remember the music and you could hear that all of a sudden that smoke screen was about to be gone. But the problem with the smoke screen being gone is once it dissipated, once it went away, I realized now all of a sudden everything that that smoke screen had covered up, it was still there. And everything that was still there, a lot of times it got a lot worse really quick. Do you understand that that is exactly the peace that this world offers? It's just simply a smoke screen to the trouble that you're walking through. It's simply a smoke screen to what you're troubled with, what you're having a hard time with. Because the reality is, is once that smoke screen wears off, it's all still there. And in many cases, it's back stronger than it ever was when you covered it up. That's exactly the peace that this world offers. It's the same way that Satan himself offers peace to you and I. And in most cases, we find ourselves in worse condition than we were when we began trying to cover it up in the first place. And when our hearts are troubled, the enemy's gonna offer peace by the way of maybe whatever your obsession is. If it's a habit, if it's a hobby, whatever it is, he'll say, hey, you know what? If you'll just participate, dive into this for just a little while, it'll go away. Or maybe you've tried to cover things up by pursuing a relationship with someone that you know is poison and toxic. Or maybe the, the cover-up or the smoke screen that the enemy offers you is, by the way, of substances. Maybe it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be pills, whatever it may be. The enemy will tell you, hey, just one hit, one sip, one thing, and it'll go away just for a little while. It'll cover it up, and you're able to push that smoke screen button for just a moment, and it appears that it covers everything up. Or maybe it's even the pursuit of money or your own glory, your own fame, if you can just achieve this, then everything else that's causing your heart trouble will be covered up. And while yes, there's an element of truth to that, but what you have to realize is are you ready to embrace yourself when the smoke clears? Because a lot of times the very thing you tried to cover up is now amplified. It's now a bigger problem. Hebrews speaks to this. And it talks about letting us run the race. But in order to run the race, what do we have to do? We have to get rid of everything that entangles us, everything that has wrapped us up, everything that has tied us up. And what you have to understand, that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you when your heart is troubled. He wants you to turn to the things of this world. And before you know it, you're entangled in all kind of sin. And now you're not even able to run the race because of what has you wrapped up and has you bound. And that's why Paul talks about, that's why the writer of Hebrew talks about get rid of what entangles you. Get rid of what entangles you. Because what we have to recognize is what the world offers is simply this. It's one trap after another. It's one trap after another. You've probably heard this quote from Ravi Zachariah. And it says this, that sin will take you farther than you wanna go. 
It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. And so we hear that quote a lot, but I want to sort of to substitute that word sin for, with another phrase. I want you to substitute that word sin with the phrase peace that the world offers. Peace that the world offers will take you farther than you want to go. Peace that the world offers will keep you longer than you want to stay. And peace that the world offers will cost you more than you want to pay. And there's no doubt in my mind, there's people in this room right now, that is your current condition. That is the situation that you find yourself in this morning. That we're all longing for the same thing. But the question is, is what do you find yourself entangled in this morning? Trying to provide for yourself the only thing that Jesus can provide. And that's the peace that is his to give. What are you entangled in this morning as a result of you searching for peace? What are you wrapped up in this morning that you find yourself in of just trying to find some relief? And so here we have the disciples. They've been walking hand in hand with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so I think we could venture to say that as they were walking with Jesus, watching Jesus do what Jesus did, we could honestly probably evaluate that peace for them in this moment Prior to this conversation, peace was kind of the norm. They're walking with him. They're with the Prince of Peace. And so what we realize is that Jesus is news to them, that he's about to depart, that he's about to leave and, and go to be with his father. What we realize in that moment, their normalcy was disrupted. In that moment, that one conversation what was once normal for them was now completely derailed. How many of you received a phone call or that text message that absolutely turned your normalcy upside down? That flipped your normalcy on its head? What seemed normal now all of a sudden by one tragic announcement, one tragic phone call, everything was turned upside down. And in that moment, your heart became troubled. In that moment, you became overwhelmed with life's circumstances. And Jesus knew that this was the case of the disciples. He knew that this announcement was gonna rock their world. And that's why he revisits the conversation that he's already had and he reminds them again, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't fear. Because I know what I've just told you has completely derailed your normalcy. I know what I've just told you has turned your world upside down. And what we see is the heart of Jesus and his disciples. Always keep in mind that Jesus is about to step into the worst punishment known to man. He's about to be scourged. He's about to be beaten. He's about to be crucified. And who's he worried about? He's worried about the disciples. You talk about love. He says, hey man, look, I know what you're about to walk through is gonna be tough. Hello? 
He's about to be beaten beyond recognition. And he's telling them what they're going to walk through is going to be tough. But in his love for them, he says, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. And don't fear. And so he knows that their world is about to be turned upside down. And the thing that I think we can all relate to these disciples is that the very same thing that they're probably experiencing, when our normalcy is removed, it triggers an immediate search for peace. When our life is turned upside down, it, it births an immediate search for peace. And so I think the message that Jesus is trying to communicate with the disciples, and I think this message still holds true to all of us in this room today, is that when normalcy is disrupted or tragedy occurs, Jesus is pleading with disciples, please don't turn to the world, turn to me. Please don't turn to the world, please turn to me. Matthew chapter 11, we read this. In verses 28 through 31, Jesus tells us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus' plead, don't turn to the world, turn to me. Don't turn to the temporary, turn to the eternal. And then what I love is where Paul, Paul lets us know the fruit of turning to the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Paul lets us know what is available when we turn to the Spirit living inside of us. Philippians chapter four, verse seven, and there's the word, the peace of God, which surpasses comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul is pleading with the church at Philippi, he's saying, when you face troubled times, turn to the Holy Spirit living in you. Turn to me. Turn to your heavenly Father. And when you do, he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you face these troubles, he will guard them. Now, that's a word, that's a phrase, that's a verse that we are all probably familiar with. But when I really dove into trying to figure out what does he mean by he will guard my heart and my mind? What does that mean? How, how, how is the Holy Spirit gonna guard my heart and my mind when I'm facing troubles, when I'm facing trials? But when you look at the definition of what the context that we're looking at here, what does guard mean? It means, to, it's a military term that means to prevent a hostile invasion, to prevent a hostile invasion. Another definition is it keeps the inhabitants of a besieged city from taking flight, from leaving, from exiting. And so what this does is this helps us make sense of when Paul also tells us, what does he tell us to do to our thoughts? 
to take our thoughts, what? Captive. So when the, the enemy, the moment your normalcy is disrupted, the, more, no, moment, the moment your, your world is turned upside down by tragedy or devastation, in that moment, your thoughts are gonna go to try to find peace. And in that moment, the enemy knows what you're looking for. So the enemy's gonna tempt you in every way. He's gonna say, here's that one sip. Here's that one habit. Here's that one hobby. And the very reason that Paul says, take that thought captive, because we lean on the spirit of God to recognize this thought, to recognize this rabbit trail that the enemy's wanting to take us down. And in that moment, when we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, take that thought captive, captive, the spirit of God guards that thought. And what it means is exactly the military term he's talking about is that if we will hold that thing captive, that thought will never take flight. It will be besieged and it will be extinguished, not because you've overcome it, but because the Holy Spirit of God living in you doesn't let it go any further. You crawl up in your father's lap and say, God, I'm taking this thought captive He'll say, okay, now I'm gonna guard your heart and your mind. You've trusted me. You've turned to me. And now I'm gonna give you rest. I'm gonna give you peace because you're trusting me to do what you can't do in your flesh. And in that moment, guess where we find peace? In the very same place the Son of God found peace. And that's in obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to our Father in heaven. And in that moment, we find peace. Because the Spirit triggers in us to take that thought captive. And the Holy Spirit promises us it'll prevent a hostile invasion. It'll prevent a hostile invasion in your heart and your mind. And this is why it is so important for us as followers of Christ to renew our mind daily of that promise. To renew our mind daily of that promise. But you know, I like to look at the disciples and think they're probably a lot like me. They're slow learners. Because you remember the first part of chapter 14, Jesus has already told them, another helper's coming. The Holy Spirit is coming, is gonna be given to you, be granted to you. You can now turn to the Holy Spirit for everything you've turned to me for. And then just a few verses later in verse 26 of 14, he tells them the same thing again. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and listen, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So remember that as a child of God, what the Holy Spirit does to you, for you, in that moment of your heart being troubled, if you will deny yourself, you'll deny what your flesh wants to do to turn to the world to find temporary peace. If you will turn to the Holy Spirit of God living in you according to the word of God, the Spirit of God will bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus Christ has taught. All the things that Jesus Christ has commanded of you and have commanded of me. He'll remind you of that. And he'll remind you where peace is found. 
And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that the Spirit of God a lot of times speaks loud and clear to me. Speaks loud and clear to you that when your flesh wants to turn to the world, that spirit in you begins to swell up and you're like, okay, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And when you take that thought captive and you say, God, help me. In that moment, he says, I got you, my child. I've got you. I'm gonna guard your heart. I'm going to guard your mind. And so you say, well, Brian, well, what, is, what does all this mean for us? How in the world do we find peace in this chaotic world? How do we find peace? Let me tell you where you find peace. You, found, you find peace the very same place that Jesus Christ found peace. It's walking in obedience to what God has commanded as his children. Peace is only found in obedience. And so I want you to write this down. I want you to listen to, to my heart with this last statement as we get ready to close. True peace is not the absence of trouble. But true peace is walking in obedience in the midst of trouble. True peace is not the absence of trouble. True peace is walking in obedience in the midst of trouble. Does it mean the trouble disappears? Does it mean the trouble goes away? Does it mean that the trouble vanishes itself from your presence? The answer to that is no. But if you remember what Jesus promises the disciples by the way of another helper, this is referencing to the comfort. And if you remember what the word comfort, how it broke down, it literally means to come alongside you and to provide strength. To come alongside you and provide strength. So in your trouble, in your trial, instead of turning to the world to find peace, turn to the only one who can provide peace that lasts Turn to the only one who can comfort you. Turn to the only one who's gonna come alongside you and give you strength to keep moving. That's the God of comfort that we serve. True peace is not found in the absence of trouble, but it's found in obedience in the midst of trouble. Turning to the Father turning to the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. I would venture to say this. Disobedience will never lead to peace. Just more trouble. Disobedience will never lead you to peace but it'll only lead you to more trouble, to more heartache, to more loss. 
So if peace is found in walking with God, you rest assured that it will never be found when you're opposing God. If peace is found with walking with God, you rest assured it will never be found when you're opposing God living in sin. That's why we see the results of what we see when we, we turn on the news. At the end of the day, we can say, yes, these people are causing trouble. These people are doing this. These people are turning the world. But ultimately, you know what the news reports are about. Very simply stated. It's a lot bigger than the trouble that man is causing. But it's simply the absence of Jesus in someone's life. That's what it is because they're looking everywhere but the Son of God for peace. And we see the rabbit trail that it takes them down. The rabbit hole that they continue to venture down. And so maybe this morning, I'm thankful that we get to see and celebrate four people this morning in this service. Four in the next service that had the same desire that you and I have to find peace. But they've announced today, praise be unto God, we didn't find it in this world, but we found it in our Savior. There's no doubt in my mind that there's someone sitting in this room right now that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Your heart is troubled, you are unsettled, you are miserable. And can I tell you, you're gonna stay that way. Well, you little jerk. It's the truth. You're gonna stay that way. You may find temporary fixes. You may find temporary peace. But when the smoke screen fades, open your eyes because the trouble's still there. The heartache is still there. The longing for peace will still be there. And so if I can plead with you in any way this morning, turn to the Prince of Peace. And just say, say God, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of looking at the world for what's not even the world's to give me. And so God, today, I wanna repent of who I'm following and that's me. And I wanna turn and I wanna trust you to provide peace. And God, I know that my troubles aren't gonna go away. I know that they're not gonna disappear. But God, according to your word, the Holy Spirit living in me is gonna come alongside me and gonna lock arms with me and give me strength to keep moving. And this is why this peace that we're talking about doesn't make sense to a lost world. You know, I've sat through a lot of funerals in my life. And can I tell you, you can walk in a funeral in the environment and there's either peace or there's the absence of peace. And a lot of it is what we rest upon knowing the testimony of whose life we're honoring, celebrating, thinking about. Because apart from Christ, There is no celebration in a funeral. There is no celebration of life. 
But boy, when you walk into a funeral, to someone who has faithfully followed the commands of their Lord and Savior, there's something special. There's something special. There's a peace that doesn't make sense. And you see people walking out, scratching their head, going, how are they celebrating? How are they celebrating this life? It's only through the peace of Jesus Christ that is his to give. That's it. So this morning, if you don't have a relationship with him, as he invites you today, I'm begging you, respond to that invitation. But maybe today as a follower of Christ, you have been tempted probably the same way the disciples were gonna be tempted, the same way that I'm tempted every day. Maybe right now you find yourself, even as a follower of Christ, entangled in the sin of your life because you're looking for peace. And I hope today that the Spirit of God reminds you that as his child, peace is still available, but you just gotta turn to him. You've gotta turn to him this morning. So maybe you find yourself today, even as a follower of Christ, struggling again with alcohol, struggling again with pornography, struggling again with chasing your obsessions. When Jesus is saying, hey, hey, I'm here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.